You, you keep praying, you're asking God, please change this situation. When I got up this morning, I always go to the kitchen counter, which is my study, and I try to spend time with God there to anoint my heart for what he wants to do today. And this morning, my computer cable wasn't there, so I couldn't use that to look up scripture. And the normal book that I was reading for my time with God was not there. And I said, God, what would you have me do? And we have a, we have a coat room that my wife has made into a library. And there are tons of shelves in there. And all of them are, are filled with transplanted books from my library here upstairs to our house. And I keep telling her to clean it out. Let's get the books back to the church. But today was really unusual in this respect that I went to the closet and I looked through stacks of books and said, what do you want me to know today, God? What do you want to show me today? I know my heart is right with you. God, show me what you want to show me. And I looked up at the top shelf in this book, The Circle Maker, was there and I could see the edge and I thought, that's it, God. That's what you want today. You want me to read this today. And I, I'm always putting sticky notes all over things. And on the cover of the book, I had put this page and it says this, the pessimist sees differently or difficulty in every opportunity. And the optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. God knows that we are either going to see opportunity or difficulty, and that's going to change our day. And that wasn't the end of that. And as I started reading through the first chapter of the Circle Maker, once again, I remember the story that he shared in there about somebody praying circles around something. And God hasn't always answered that thing yet, but whether you realize it or not, somebody is praying for you. Someone is praying for you and your particular situation. And in this room, I will guarantee you, there are dozens of people who can relate to that. We've already had a service as a praise team. We come at 8.30 and I share for half an hour what God's been sharing with me. Something separate from the service. But this morning I shared those thoughts. And I know that I said someone in this group, in the praise band, God is doing something special on. And Rebecca Evans, who is just a jewel of a girl, she couldn't believe it. She said that her dad, I believe it, where are you, Rebecca? He's somewhere over the rainbow, back there. Your dad told you to read this, didn't he? This very book, this very day, her father and me were connected on something. I haven't looked at this book for a couple years. God wanted me and you this morning. This is not even my message. He wanted you and me. I'm positive. I put myself last. My wife always tells me that. Correct grammar is put yourself last, okay? He wanted us to connect with this thought this morning. Somebody is praying for me. There's a big difference in having someone pray for you and pray on you. Big difference in the spelling, but there's a difference in how it comes out, too. There are guests in the room today that think you came by your own design, and I'm just telling you straight up, I've learned this in all my years of ministry. You didn't come of your own free will. God made you come. Yes, he did. He had it planned for you to come here today because he has something specific for you to understand. I always write down when I read 
or listen to other messages from other preachers. I started this series last week on Philippians. You should come every week. Today we're giving out little bracelets to those who will live it. And it has these initials, W-D-I-M, on one side. We had them printed. And on the inside, it says, what does it matter? You must ask yourself this question this morning. What does this matter in the big picture? In the big scheme of things, my wife's father was a pastor. Her only sibling, twin brother, is a pastor, and I'm a pastor, and I think I'm passing it down to my children that they, too, will follow in those footsteps. Please listen to me. There are so many people that go in and out of the service and stand out there and talk. Did you come to visit today, or did you come to get something from God? Because if you came to get something from God, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to understand it, receive it. You must ask yourself the question every single day. What does this really matter in the big scheme of things? Correct? What does this matter? And I, and I wrote on this piece of paper as I was listening to another pastor one day. He says, choices can easily become chains. Oh, is that powerful. That's the thought that I want you to remember today. Your choices can lead to freedom or chains. It depends on what you want to be chained to this morning. You could be chained to bad decisions so quickly and so easily. You could be chained to someone that God would not have you marry, but you decided on your own, I'm going to marry this person. You must ask yourself the question, what does this matter today? Because I promise you this, somebody's praying for you. There are people sitting right in front of me that I've already prayed for today. Right in front of me. It's your bad day to be on the front row. I'm not making this up. I've already prayed for you today. When my father-in-law was alive, he was perhaps the most godly man that I've ever met in my entire life, Becky said, and he passed it to his children. Does that mean there won't be any heartache? No. There's always heartache. There are always children and grandchildren making bad decisions. It's a fact of life. God is not interested in the bad decisions you made other than this. He loves you so much. He just wants a fellowship with you and put the past in the past. Are you following me? He wants to put the past in the past and move, move you on to the redeemed life of a believer who actually has joy. Yes? Can you agree with me this morning? Okay, that's all I'm asking is that you just follow me. We, we lived in the South for three years, made a bad decision, went to Florida, and we're a part of a church there, and it was, whoo, was that bad. Oh, my gosh, there was so much scandal in that church. A lot of people down there have the name Bubba. Bubba Gumps. Oh, by the way, this week I walked in one day, you know, and this has been a week of really trying to help people see through their issues big time. And... I was out, and when I came back to the church, we always locked the doors when we go out. The, the outside doors were open, but we locked the inside glass door. And I looked over there, and there was something laying on the floor in the, in the little entrance out there. And it was this. It was a plaque from the city of Granville with a picture of our float on it. And below it, it said, presented to Rock Urban in appreciation for your effort and going above and beyond for the 50th anniversary of the Granville July 4th Parade. 
this is cherishing. Uh, this is a, something I will cherish for a long time. Some, listen, please, because somebody needs to hear this today. Sometimes you're so convinced that you've been praying and praying and praying and praying. Nothing's happening. It's happening right now. There are answers to prayer sitting in front of me. When I was standing up there playing the keys, I always look around. And I, whether you realize it or not, I can see some of you, and I think, answer to prayer. Answer to prayer. Answer to prayer. Answer to prayer over there. God has you in mind today. So Bubba went to the doctor's office, and the re receptionist actually asked him um, what he had, and he said, shingles. And so she wrote down his name, his address, and took all the information, had him fill it out, turn it back in, 15 minutes. She said, Bubba said, I have shingles. So 15 minutes later, a nurse's aide came out and asked Bubba for his weight, his height, and his complete medical history, and told Bubba to go wait in the examining room. You ever been in one of those rooms? You're in there for days. The, the only person's time that matters is theirs. And you, you're literally getting sicker by the second of waiting. And more angry, by the way, too. And you're naked. Half hour later, a nurse came back in. And she asked him what he had. And he said, shingles. And then she told him to take his clothes off and put on that ghastly gown. And she then gave him a blood test and blood pressure test and an electrocardiogram and told Bubba to sit and wait because the doctor would be in shortly. An hour later, the doctor came in, sat down, looked at Bubba and asked him what he had. And Bubba said, shingles. And the doctor asked him where and Bubba said, outside on the truck. Do you know sometimes, sometimes, seriously, sometimes you feel like, is anything going my way? And you've tried to tell somebody, it's like, you're, it's like you're speaking in some kind of foreign tongue. They just don't get it at all. They can't quite grasp. What is this all about? You are in the room today by God's design because he actually loves you and cares about you. Last week I said this. You need a perspective to live from. You need a priority to live by, right? I need the power to live on, and I need a purpose to live for. I would say if I've seen anything in the day and age that we're living in, it's purposeless people. Yes? You really don't, you can't even figure out what's going on. And you can't even, you, you're asking yourself, why am I even in here today? Because somebody, somebody was praying circles around you. And the devil was fighting it the whole time and saying, nobody cares about you. God doesn't care about you. Your life is a failure. You've really screwed up. And God is saying, wrong, 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 wrong. I love you. And that's why you're here. I've encircled you with prayer. I'm not a pilot, but I know that we have several people in the congregation that either have pilot's license or they're working on getting one. And I've heard that the most repeated phrase in pilot training is, fly the airplane. It sounds obvious, but flight instructors repeat it again and again for good reason, because your survival depends on it. And I don't want to read the whole illustration, but the point is this. When a plane got in trouble, lots of times the pilot would get distracted by the instruments, distracted by what was happening around him and not flying the airplane. We've gotten distracted by things out there that have taken our minds off of what's in the future.
Are you following me? So everybody's to blame. It's everybody's fault for your situation. Nobody's nice enough to you. Nobody's kind enough. Nobody cares about you. God must be judging me because I've had this sin in my past. And God is saying, you're not getting it. I don't care anything about that. Stay focused. Stay focused. I gave you a card last week with some of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Philippians 4.8 says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, and you should memorize this because it's the key verses for my entire sermon collection over the next several weeks. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I read an article this week that talked about why you lift your hands when you're praising God. Why do I do this? Because everybody else is doing it? No, because something actually happens when you extend your hand believing that God wants to bring blessing down into your life. There is something that happens. I promise you, if you've ever been through something that has literally broken your heart, sometimes you just have to reach out when nobody's looking and say, God, I need you. God, I am so crushed right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know which way to turn. And what you don't realize is somebody is out there praying circles around you. Maybe your parents. Mm -hmm. Maybe your parents. Yes. Maybe some friends. Maybe your grandpa or your grandma actually prayed for you for this day because they knew you would get to the point where you desperately needed something more. There's a farmer who actually started looking at his farm with critical eyes. I was raised on the farm. I actually have like a part of farmer in me. I love to see things grow. But every place he looked, it seemed that he saw something wrong. And he wished that he had a different farm that was better than the farm that he had. And so he talked to a realtor who came out and looked at his farm and prepared a newspaper ad for his place. But before he ran the ad, he showed the farmer what he had written, read it to him. The ad spoke of a good location, a well with great drinking water, sturdy barns, lush pasture lands, a beautiful pond, fertile soil, and a great view. And the farmer listened closely and then responded, don't put the ad in the paper. That's exactly the kind of farm I'm looking for. You following me? Listen, listen, please. Listen, please. Think about this. God is after you. I'm positive. You think so? All you have to do is go like this. God is after you. We, the devil is going to send every kind of distraction he can into the room. So you won't look up here. So you look at your phone. So you'll talk to your spouse or talk to somebody else. So you get distracted because God has something to say to you. And you've got to be listening to get it. He's after you. Put a gunny sack over me and avoid thinking about me because I have a way of turning a lot of people off. I want to be hidden behind the cross. I say that in humility. It is an honor to be able to speak, and I have something to say today that I think is very important. It could save somebody's life. You say that you don't want to become your parents. You say that maybe you need something new, something fresh, a different church, this, this thing or that thing, and you're positive I'm talking about you, and I can promise you right now, I am not thinking about anyone specific as I say this. God wants you to realize and appreciate what you have because you might not have it very long. 
Ray is my good friend, Ray Danhoff, and he was telling me this week about a guy who works at a, a different trucking line. And he was saying that in the past, it used to be kind of a joke that the guy always said, I can't wait for Friday. Can't wait for Friday. He was known for saying that until he found out that he had cancer. When they thought the cancer was in remission or whatever, he was fine, but it came back in his liver, I believe, right, Ray? He has it in his liver. Ray says, I've been wanting to talk to him. I've been wanting to get him to come to church with me because, listen, people, there are people in this room. I've already spotted people in this room that I don't know, and you may not know that you're going to heaven when you die, and God wants you to know. Are you with me? It seems like when we find out we're dying, we're all of a sudden interested because we don't know. But the fact of the matter is, not one of us knows what day we're going to die and what shall the profit man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul. One poet put it this way. One ship sails east, another sails west, with the selfsame winds that blow, till the set of sails and not the gales which determines the way we go. I think I talked to so many people this week, I can't even remember who I said what to, but they're going the wrong direction. And they won't listen. They know they're going the wrong direction. What they don't understand is that somebody had prayed circles around them to stay on the right path. I know some men this week that are splitting from their spouse. And all I could think to myself is, why are you making this stupid choice? You are passing to your children the message that we can't make it work. I can guarantee you this. You might not be able to, but God can. You, 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 you stopped praying. You stopped praying, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G, and started P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, and it made your entire family go the wrong direction. Ladies, I was going to preach on this. Close your traps. And all the ladies that are visiting go, I can't even believe you called our mouths traps. Right? It's, it's, it's terrible. Do you know, no pastor should wear a hat during the service anyway, and much less to tell us to close our traps. I'm doing you a favor. You know what? It takes way more muscles to run that mouth than it does to leave it shut. Man, you're no better. We just love to talk, 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 talk. It's always somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. And we never want to really get help. We want it to be easy when God is saying, you're just trying to get what you want. You need to change. Let's break the pattern this morning. Philippians 1. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to you, to me, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul is writing Philippians from being in prison. There's not a, a single person in this room that wants to go to jail or prison. Seriously. Anyone that's been there could tell you for a fact, it's not a pleasant place to go. And God said, man, I've been after you so long, and you just don't listen, and you continue to make the same choices. I dealt with a man this week who just said to me, unless you're willing to accept what I want to do, don't ever speak my name again. 
I texted him back and said, okay, if that is what you really want. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray until God gets his way. Have you ever, seriously, because people say they can't see me. I should go to the back room and pray. I can see you pretty well except for the back row. Okay, this is the deal. If God's after you, he's after you. Am I right on that? If God is after you, you can't run from God. You can't hide from God. There's no way you can get away from him because he'll just keep working until you get it. And then the joy will come, won't it? The joy will come in your life when you finally say, I understand now, I get it. And you think, by the way, that going to church has nothing to do with it? And you think, by the way, that what church you go to has nothing to do with it? That's insanity. It's insanity. You're not just deciding for yourself, but you're deciding for your children whether the Spirit of God is actually working in the place you're going and whether anything is happening, and that's how you should judge the fruit of where you should go to church. Oh, praise God, I just saw a friend. There's more than one in the room, but you think I don't pray for you? I already prayed for them today because they're my friends. Not because they're sinners, but they are. I mean, but do you come up missing? You know what? This is, I happen to think this about the church. You ought to go to a church where the pastor actually cares. Are you with me? You ought to go to church where the pastor actually cares that you don't go back to prison again, that you don't end up in a third marriage with the wrong person, that you don't take your life, that you realize that God's been after you for a long time. You're just not listening. That's why I played that last video. I haven't seen it yet, but God wants to do some magnificent things. And by the way, it's not just in your family, it's in my family. You never stop praying. I'm not going to read the whole text. It's too long. But in this passage, I want to cover three things real quickly. And I know you're saying, oh, my gosh, the pastor is going to, he still hasn't hit his points. Are you still with me? Okay. Three simple points. Unpleasant circumstances. This is how God works. Unreasonable people. An uncertain future. One of those things is plaguing you today. I'll let you pick. What is plaguing me? Is it un unpleasant circumstances that I'm really struggling with? I know some people are laughing and going, all of the above. It's multiple choice. We should have had a fourth one. All of the above. Is anybody with me on that? Oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Whew. Yeah, somebody said to me last night, have you ever thought about when you get out of ministry, you could do this? And I think, no. I love only one thing, pastoring and preaching. That's what I love. I love pastoring the people that I'm blessed to get to pass, pastor. But I want you to look individually just for a couple minutes at each one of these. First of all, unpleasant circumstances. Philippians 1.12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me actually served to advance the gospel. I'm in prison, and I'm writing this down right now, and it's not nice in here. There are rats that are as big as opossums, and it's cold, and it's wet, and it's dirty, and there are bugs everywhere. But I want you to know something. In the middle of it all, God's with me 24 hours a day. Anybody agree with me? Woo, 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 we should be crazy. 
God is with me 24 hours of every day. Thank you, Jesus. I don't need any substance to make me happy. I got God. And you're moaning and groaning. Seriously, there are some people that spend most of their time. How are you doing today? They just carry on, and it's almost like you look and say, oh, no, here they come. Am I ready for this? Oh, Jesus, take the wheel. Here they come, and they're just, gonna, they're just ready. And you say, well, that's not very nice. You're a pastor. You should be willing to listen. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that want you to listen. And sometimes you think to yourself, I'm going crazy. Jesus, take the wheel. Circle that person. Circle that person and believe that God is going to do what you've been praying for for a long time. You with me? Well, we're such pessimists. Well, you just don't know, but it's God's never going to change him. He's been this way forever. God is great at changing people. I'm thankful that I married Rebecca Lane. She is the most persistent, insistent, consistent, whatever else assistant is left. We had a birthday party for my older daughter, and she doesn't come to church, and her husband. And when it was all over last night, my wife just said, am I going to see you at church in the morning to my son-in-law? He goes, maybe. And she said, maybe. Maybe. You know how many people are saying maybe to stuff? you have any idea? Maybe I'll come someday. Maybe I'll, I'll get connected and involved someday. Maybe I'll actually start living the Christian life, and the maybe never comes. But thank God for people who have circled us. And don't give up. And Paul says, I look at these things and see how they have served to advance the gospel. Well, the Greek word translated here has an interesting history. It was originally used of woodcutters who go before the army to cut a path for them. They pave the way. You know who the way pavers are in the room? It's the people that never give up and they pray until, and they pray seriously until the thing happens. And there's a path, a path cleared for the people they love to walk through. There are so many needs in the room this morning, we couldn't possibly mention them all if we stayed here all day. Just the ones I know that I've, people I've talked to this week, it's overwhelming, literally overwhelming. And you don't understand that pleasant, un, excuse me, unpleasant circumstances are way pavers for you if you see it that way, correct? Are you following me? Philippians 1.13 says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. You want to know why? Because while he's chained there, he's chained to these guards and the shift changes every so often. He gets new guards and he just keeps talking to them and keeps talking to them and keeps talking to them and keeps talking to them. That's what my wife does with our kids. That's what she does when she prays. She just keeps praying. And sometimes, parents, you think it's never going to change. Is my kid going to ever get it? And God is saying, oh, well, what I want from you right now, I want you to hang on. You hang on. You don't give up. You hang on until, whoo, if you only knew what I know looking at you. 
There are people sitting before me this morning that are the product of somebody who circled them in prayer and paved a path to God. Spirit of God, you are not interested in any cute stories I can tell or any style of preaching or anything else. You are interested in manifesting yourself as a God who is deeply in love with the people in this room. Don't give up. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no. Philippians 4.22, all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Later on in the book, he's able to say that. Look what's happened to God's people. They want to greet. They've changed. Who in the room, who in the room, since you've been gone back to church and started seeing God differently, specifically at Rock Church, you have changed? Raise your hand. How many people in this room coming to this church have changed? Come on. The rest of you haven't changed. A bit. Oh, Jesus, help me. Take the wheel. I'm looking at people who have been a friend of mine for years, and they're just sitting there like, oh, I, excuse me, I was busy chewing my gum. Okay, once again, you come to church here, and you've changed since you've been going here. Raise your hand. We're closer. Do you, do you have any idea how many people never, ever give praise? They're never thankful for any. You could never, ever find the right church for them. And I dare say it. And that's why they don't like me. You could never find the right church because there's something wrong with everything and everyone. Bury that spirit. Bury that spirit and take on a spirit of humility that starts complimenting and praising and lifting. Something happens when you lift your hand. Try it, everybody. Everybody in the room, come on. I'm not going to look because some of you are going, I'm never going to Hold up. Okay, God, right now, God, please come down through our fingers into our bodies and prove to us that you are God. Is he real? Yes, yes he is. Okay, put your hands down. Now, somebody in the room has had a very, very, very specific answer to prayer. This morning, you, you're, already, you're already experiencing it this morning. Raise your hand. I won't ask you to tell what it is. Raise your hand. You have a very, very, very specific answer to prayer. There's a bunch of people. Put them down. God wants that to happen with you. Instead of getting offended all the time, and I say this is a generation of offense. Uh, you can't get good. If you're in my praise band, because I'm the key guy that leads it because I have a minor in music. If you're in my praise band, I just tell you, you can get offended or you can get better. Which would you choose today? Offended or better? Over here. Offended, I heard people say. Okay, let's just do this one section at a time. Offended or better? Are there, other, are there offended people in the list over here? At least not now they're going to not tell you. <laughs> they're going to wait and get in the car and go, that nasty pastor. Offended or better? Better. Are you doing better, Steve? A couple weeks ago, he came to men's, men's Bible study, and he said, I just, I, part of my body is just, I don't know what, it's, it's something happened to it. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor says, I, not to even rule out ALS. If you know anything about ALS, no one wants it. And there were other things. Last week, when he came to men's Bible study, after we prayed for him a couple weeks ago, last week he came and said, I had so much better week, Pastor. you got to believe it. Yes. 
You've got to believe it. And, it, and Paul said, and because of my change, both of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's amazing because of my chains. Bob Benson in his book, See You at the House, tells of a good friend who had a severe heart attack and almost died, but was now well on the road to discovery. Visiting him, Bob asked, Bill, how do you feel about your heart attack, Bill? I hate it, he said. It nearly killed me. And then Bob asked him, would you like to have another one? And then Bill said, are you crazy? And then he said, would you recommend it for someone else? Absolutely not. And Bob went on, Bill, now that you're feeling better, do you treasure your life more than ever before? Yes, I guess I do. You know what Ray's friend said when he talked to him this week? I'm not waiting for Fridays anymore. I'm treasuring every day. Am I right? How about opening your mouth if I'm right? Am I right? I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm just asking you to follow the example of God's word. Yeah, follow the example of God's word. When you get in your vehicle today, I already know that there are some people in here, because you're guilty, you're going to continue in your pattern. Destroy that which speaks to me. Reductionism. Bring them down to my level. Trash them and run away. You'll be running your whole life. I promise you until you deal with it. You got to stop running. He understood that life is better because he didn't have to live with a heart attack. What are you chained to this morning? Like I said earlier, I write things on pieces of paper all the time. And on this page alone, just this piece of paper that I have at the counter and I just rip it out after I write on it, the top says, I want the Apostle Paul swag. The first thing that came to my mind was Ed Vanderbeek. Because he, and I already shared this with them, he uses words like swag and dope and stuff like that. And some of you go, dope, is he an addict? He's an addict at something probably, I don't know. Something pretty dope. Right? Like some of you are in here going, those are yesterday's words, Pastor. You're, so, you're such a squirrel. You don't even know the latest words. Well, I haven't hung with, with Ed lately. He's got to fill me in on what the latest ones are. <laughs> I just wrote these things on this paper. You can either let your chains break your praise or you can let your praise break your chains. I put, we cannot have God's peace without God's priorities. What God's saying to some of you today, it's time to give in, break down, and start putting God first. And you'll be surprised how that complaining will stop. Even though my hands are chained, my feet are locked, my mind is still free, and the mission goes on. The greatest gift God gives you is the ability to choose. But choices can become chains. Number two, un unreasonable people. Let, can I just say this? There are many unreasonable people in this world, and sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's relatives. Sometimes it's people you work with that are unreasonable people, and you have to deal with them, and you're just biting your lip going, why in the world could not everyone be like me? I'm struggling, God. Why can they not be like me? Why do more people not 
come and give me gifts and stuff and like say I'm awesome and, and like, why, what? And you say, that's ridiculous. Now there is that mentality. I deserve more instead of, I want to praise you, God, because you're so, so good. Oh, yeah, Jesus, I don't live in the hood. You ever find yourself just going kooky for God? Anybody in here, raise your hand. Going kooky for God. Yeah. Yes! All the crazy people. That was loud. Was that you? Oh, my gosh. Over here, any crazy people? No, just right up here. <laughs> There's Moses. You cannot imagine how much you can tell about people by looking at their countenance. Some of you are right on the edge of self-destruction. I can tell by your countenance. So my friend Hernandez, last week, he brought a lady. Is she here today? She's so nice. So this, this is a true story. He's awesome. By the way, pray for Jessica. This eye she had surgery on is not good, and we're going to just beg God to do something supernatural. Right? Yeah. Yes. So this, Mike's been inviting her to come to church. And she came last Sunday, and he wanted me to meet her, so I went and out met her. And she lives here in Granville, and she said this testimony about Mike. He always claimed to be a Christian, but I could never tell. Until one day, this is a true story, until one day he came to work and I could tell by looking at his countenance. Didn't you word, use the word countenance? She said, I could tell by looking at his countenance that he was changed. What car was that we were riding in? BMW. He's, he likes hot cars. Likes a lot of things hot. But he likes hot cars. And so... We, we went out for lunch one day, and I thought, man, I am with a, like a celebrity movie star in this car. And we went and got something to eat, and on the way back, my, my heart was kind of racing, and I was thinking, he needs Jesus. I can just tell. He needs Jesus really badly. And before we got in the building, I said, I just want to ask you this question. Are you sure that you're going to heaven when you die? He said, no. He prayed right in that car, and he accepted Christ. And she said she could tell. Shouldn't people be able to tell? Whatever it is you're going through, if it's some kind of circumstances that are bringing problems into your life, or sometimes it's unreasonable people, you have to ask yourself the question, how does this advance the gospel? Verse 15 said, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Probably the most spotless reputation that I can think of a person outside of my father-in-law is Billy Graham. And, by the way, Becky's father was friends with Billy Graham. And her mother taught at Northwestern Bible College when Billy Graham was the president. So they are connected. But Billy Graham was, was seriously um, passionate about God. His kids went the wrong way for a long time, and then they came back to God. And he was criticized all the time. And so what he did before he had a crusade in a city, this is true, it's about his biography, he always sent a team ahead to the hotel to make sure no one was waiting in there to create a scandal. He was in Europe, and the headlines on the paper the next day said, Billy Graham spends the night with another woman. 
and they based what they said totally on the name of the person they saw staying in the hotel. It said Beverly Shea. Anybody in here have a clue what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. There's my wife back there. She, she should be up here preaching. I should have her right over here, and then you, you can just add commentary, honey. His music guy's name was George Beverly Shea. If you think for one second the devil doesn't want to destroy reputations and render you ineffective, you're wrong. That's his full-time job. There are people out there who have a desire to destroy you. No one can visit this church without my prior church trying to destroy me. Six years after we started this church, it still is going on. Thank God he's bigger than that. Thank God he is bigger than reputation destroyers. What I hate seeing, and I, I, I'm, I'm looking around this room, some of you get entangled with other people's business. It is not wise. It could lead you the totally wrong direction. Philippians 1.18, but what does it matter? And that's, it's actually in this text. What does it matter? You may have one of these bracelets today on your way out. We only have 200. You may have one if you promise that every single day, every single time that you wear it, you will ask yourself that question, what does it matter in the big thing, in the big things, in the, in the big picture, in the little picture today? You must ask yourself, if I'm going through these things and if I'm experiencing these unreasonable people, what does this all matter in the big picture? Otherwise, you're going to quit. You could be taken out by your own spouse. Yes, because they're never here. If someone is not sitting under the power of the Holy Spirit, they will always make the wrong decision. Always. Oh, are, you, are you guys men or not? That you are the head of your home and decide what you believe is best for your family. Pat Riley, who's long been thought of by many as one of the finest coaches in the NBA, he used to coach the L.A. Lakers, and he tells the story of Magic Johnson. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff surrounding Magic Johnson, but... Riley says that when Johnson was in junior high school, his basketball talent was already obvious. He was so much better than all the other players on the team that he would score 50 points while the rest of the team would literally score nothing. But, after the, other, but, but the other players were very unhappy because they didn't get the ball or a chance to shoot very often. And their parents were unhappy too. So Magic Johnson decided instead of just be mad at everyone else that he was going to change his role on the team. He would become an enabler, passing the balls to others, making them look good. He played only two years in college before becoming a professional basketball player. He went to the L.A. Lakers, a team made up of a lot of different superstars. They were all great players, but the team wasn't winning because they were all playing for themselves. I can stop right there right now. You can relate to this. When the praise band, one man's playing for himself and he thinks he knows it all, we're done. When you think you know it all about the pastor and the church and the youth pastor and all the other things, we're finished. If we don't play as a team and understand our roles, even with our family, we lose. Yes, it is time men to step up to the plate. 
Come to Bible study tomorrow night and change. Ladies, instead of talking about what you don't like, we're starting something new coming soon. She Church on Wednesday nights with live music and ladies that are want to be passionate about God. Stop using excuses. There's nothing for you. You're not trying. Are you following me? That's the weakest yes I've heard in a long time. Are you following me? you're following me, you'll do something about it. There's one point that I want to make about Magic Johnson. Pat Riley says, Magic Johnson became the catalyst and decided to make other players look good. He went to Byron Scott and said, I'm going to make you the number one scorer on this team. I'm going to pass the ball to you, and you're going to score. And he did. He went to James Worthy and asked, why have you never made the all-star team? I'm going to make you an all-star. He started passing the ball to James Worthy, the soon James, the, and soon James Worthy was on the all-star team. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the highest scorers in the history of the NBA, and before he broke the record, Magic Johnson said to him, I want to be the guy who passes the ball when you make the record-breaking basket. Riley said, on that night when it was about time for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to score that record-breaking basket, Magic Johnson got off the bench, put himself in the game, dribbled down the floor, passed the ball to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The ball went through the hoop, and the record was shattered. And Riley said this, if you'll look at the videotape of that event, you'll see Magic Johnson leaping into the Kareem, arms of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and if you look really closely, you'll see tears streaming down his cheeks. Riley said he's the most unselfish basketball player I've ever known. It is not about us being stars. It's not about which person on the praise team has the best voice or the best ability. It's about being a team in honor preferring one another. It is about stop acting like it's everyone else's fault and take responsibility yourself to grow up. There's one last thing and then I'll stop. Uncertain future. There's unpleasant circumstances, unreasonable people, and uncertain future. So it reminds me of the man on a moped who pulls up at a red light next to a Porsche. My, my son knows all the cars, and he can tell me all, all this. He's a car fanatic. He's 14. He knows the Porsches. The driver rolls down the window and challenges the moped rider next to him to a race, to a drag race. And the rider declines politely, but the Porsche driver insists. And so he finally appeals to the moped rider's sense of significance by saying, look, you can tell all your friends that you dragged a Porsche. That did it. The man on the moped agrees. The light turns green, and they're off. The Porsche is down the road in a flash, the driver's laughing his head off, but he glances in his rearview mirror and see that very quickly the moped is coming up behind him. He doesn't know what to do. It screams past him, getting smaller and smaller in the distance in front of him. And then the shocked driver sees the moped coming back toward him, screaming by him in the opposite direction and getting smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror. But then the moped starts coming toward him again, and with surprising speed, he just passes by in front of him. At the next light, the Porsche driver leans out of his window, looks at the moped driver, and asks incredulously, what kind of engine do you have in that machine? Out of breath, the moped driver looks over and says, not much of one, but do you mind if I unhook my suspenders from your side mirror? <laughs> Sometimes. When I read that, I actually thought to myself years ago when I read that illustration, I thought to myself, why have I always been the moped driver? Got to stop a second. If I listen to those voices, 
I was always the geek. I was never the jock. I was never cool until now. But I was never cool, never had any money, seriously. But somehow, in the sovereign plan of God, even last night, I have a wonderful neighbor, and he has a big party, and he, he had about 10 coolers full of beer and every kind of wine beverage you could have. And, you know, he had a keg and he had everything imagined. And it was all free, and so all the neighbors are over there. I went over a few times to talk to him, but I, I, I'm a foreigner in that world. I gave that up a long time ago. I used to drink. I gave it up because it, it distracts and it destroys. People that tell you that it doesn't, they're lying. I said to my wife, I have no desire to be there. They're really nice people, but I have no desire to be there because this world is not my home. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I don't fit. I have never fit. And I believe that God at this stage of my life wants me to pastor a church of people who have been through things themselves and feel like I just don't fit. I was always the last person picked in any sport. The handicapped girls were picked before me. I'm not kidding. That doesn't make me some kind of a martyr. It's just something that God uses to change your perspective about life. It says in verse 19, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. So I ask you this morning, if you have an uncertain future, what is happening right now that God wants to use to change your future? Because every one of us in this room have things. Verse 20 says, for I know that I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. You have to answer the question. Even, even if only one person in the room gets what I'm trying to say today, then it will have been worth it. Number one, am I absolutely certain that I'm going to heaven when I die? Because what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and loses his own soul? Number two, as a child of God, if I'm a child of God, What's going on in my life? What are you trying to show me, God? Hearts, hearts, listen. Hearts of people in the room. Cry out to God right now. What are you trying to show me? Fear to God. No, don't close your eyes. I used to be ashamed to raise my hands. I used to be ashamed to pray in public. I used to be ashamed to talk in public. I'm not ashamed of God because he's right here, right now, right in this place, right now, right here. Somebody in this room is having a difficult time wondering what the future holds. You might not know what it holds, but you can know who holds it for sure. Who, yes, 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 yes. People in the back are always saying, get back on the stage, but then I can't walk down here. You're supposed to be here today, you guys? You think you're second week, I see you. Well, don't come here because you'll turn into a fanatic. Okay. You're, you're sitting out here like me and you're thinking, well, what do you, you want to do, God? 
What do you want to show me? If you're open to that, he's waiting. Close your eyes a moment. Stand right here in the middle of the room. You don't know, but if you die, you're going to go to heaven. You don't know that choices have chains. You don't even know the chain breaker, Jesus. You don't even recognize the Holy Spirit's power in the room right now. He is calling you. Somebody's been praying circles around you. You know he's talking to you. First of all, if you're not saved, he's calling you to himself and saying, make sure of this today. Is there anyone in the room that could say, I don't know for 100% certainty that I'm going to heaven when I die. This is your day. Slip your hand up quickly. You can know today. Anyone in the room? I don't know for sure if when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Anybody in this room? Yes. One person right there. My wife can go. Door was kept open for you to make sure today. Please, please listen to me. Don't wait. This lady opened the door for you. Anyone else that says, I, I don't know for sure that I'm going to go to heaven. I need to know. I want to know, Pastor. You can know today. Anyone else? Then how about it? You've been kind of burdened down through maybe uncertain uncertainty about the future or unpleasant circumstances or unpleasant people, but you've been bogged down and God is saying, I'm, I'm trying to get you to put your trust in me. I'm not going to make you come up here. I'm not going to make you share anything, but you know that's you. Raise your hand. I know God is talking to me. He's talking to me specifically because I'm struggling with something, answers to something. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All over the room. Okay, put them down. Now just look up here. The only reason I do that is have your heads bowed so that people are not afraid. But whether you realize it or not, in the group of people that raised their hand, first of all, a lady raised her hand to be saved. It's her day. Yes, it is. You believe that? Yes. I, I, I will guarantee you somebody was praying for her. Maybe a grandma. Maybe a grandpa. Maybe her parents. Somebody was praying. Thank you, Father. Whew, thank you, Jesus. Somebody was praying for her. All the other people that raised their hand, I was just glancing around. And I saw some people raise their hand that I've been praying for. Very specifically. And I won't tell you until I see what happens. But God is after you. You know it. Yes, you do. Right? Yes, 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 yes. Stop taking offense all the time and just say, I surrender completely. Right? I surrender completely to you, God. I'm done taking up offense about everything. Sue O'Keefe was at my house last night. She's been through cancer. And she said something so encouraging to me. She said, I can't wait for tomorrow. Made my day. You think you're the only one that wants to quit? You think you're the only one that feels like a failure? You think you're the only person that doesn't have prayers that have been answered yet? You think, really? You think that because you raise your kids and you're a pastor and a pastor's wife that everything just goes exactly like you want it to go? 
I don't have all the answers. I'm just like you. I just need to trust God. Because God's word is true. It's always true. He's in constant pursuit of us, is he not? Otherwise, we will be overwhelmed and feel like, oh, my gosh, God, I can't take this. But we can take it with God. He wants to walk through it with us. Stay the course. 